0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: You want to be memorable. You want to make sure you're really having an impact on your audience. You want to be able to make sure that they walk out of there learning something different that they can apply right away. Those value propositions that we have, the ways we stand out, we should be very proud of.
0: Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, where it's all about believing in and executing on different and innovative ways to strengthen both your leadership and communication skills to help increase your success, and especially in today's disruptive business environment. One of the most effective ways of building stronger leadership and communication skills is by embracing the principles of improvisation. (laughs) Yes, that's right, improv your host peter margaritas is an improv virtuoso he's also a certified speaking professional and a cpa also known as the accidental accountant each episode of change your mindset is designed to bring you different and innovative ideas thoughts and behavioral changes on a variety of differing topics with the sole purpose of strengthening your critical soft skills We may call them soft skills, but they are the hardest to master. And when we do, greater success and growth is the result. So jump in and start changing your mindset now. Let's start the show.
2: Today, my guest is Michael Sherlock. Now, don't be fooled by the name, the hair color, or the crazy shoes michael sherlock is serious about business she's dedicated to creating positive productive and profitable workplaces and helping individuals and businesses unlock their ultimate potential before launching her global trading company shock your potential michael was vice president of us sales for two multinational medical device companies responsible for net revenues exceeding 75 million and as many as 500 employees at a time. Michael was chosen as number 12 of the top female entrepreneurs to watch in 2020 by EnterpriseLeague.com. Michael and I spent most of our time discussing the term sales leadership and why it's important to approach sales from this mindset. And she provides a number of sales tips during our interview, and you should have a pad of paper and a pencil when listening. Before we get to the interview, just a couple of housekeeping items. So, as you heard in the last episode, I am so excited about my book, Offscript: Mastering the Art of Business Improv, is scheduled to be released. The paperback edition will be scheduled for release on October 6th and the Kindle ebook edition on November 3rd. And both formats are available for pre-order on Amazon now. And because I wanted to do something special for my friends and supporters, both editions are 20% off during the pre-order process. So go to www.offscriptimprov.com and you'll be directed to the book's webpage on Amazon and order your copy today. Remember to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't and share this podcast episode with a friend. I would greatly appreciate your support and also visit my YouTube channel, The Accidental Accountant, where you can see previous podcast video episodes, along with this one in the coming weeks. And while you're there, just hit the subscribe button so you won't miss any updates.
0: This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, also known as The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a speaker that can bring powerful content, virtually or in-person or on-site, that is memorable and engaging in a way that motivates and inspires your audience? Instead of data dumping and numbing with numbers, imagine your people and teams delivering a financial story to your stakeholders, a story that creates engaging and relationship-building business conversations. Would you be interested in learning more about how that is accomplished? How would you feel if the value your facilitator provided your organization far exceeded the dollar amount on their invoice? Peter Margaritis, CPA and Certified Speaking Professional, delivers all of the above and much, much more. All of Peter's programs can be done virtually, in person and on site at your location or at an off site venue. Send Peter a note at peter at petermargaritas.com and or visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com to learn more about what Peter can bring to your next conference, management retreat, or workshop.
2: Now, let's get to the interview with Michael Sherlock. Hey, welcome back everybody oh, man i i this is going to be so much fun uh my my guest today as you all know is is michael sherlock and, and first thank you so very much for taking time out of your schedule uh, to spend some time with me on my podcast
1: oh absolutely my pleasure what a great opportunity to be here
2: and another thank you goes out to you. I'm going to do this publicly versus in the intro. Thank you for being on my editorial board for the for the book Off Script: Mastering the Art of Business Improvisation. Your comments and your feedback were wonderful. Thank you so very much for giving uh, me your time to do that.
1: You're most welcome. And I uh, pre-ordered the book as well, so I'm uh, looking forward to that coming out.
2: And you heard, she's already pre-ordered. Uh, so if those of you who are listening, you need to go out there and pre-order it today because it'll mm-hmm. go up 20% on October 6th. So let's talk about shock your potential. Mm. How, did this, uh, how did those three words become your brand? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Peter, uh, when I tell you the story, you're going to go, oh, really? Couldn't you come up with something better than that? because you know how you're the accidental accountant this was a total total accident and uh, you know when i left corporate america and i was i published my first book and i wanted to write more books i wanted to speak and train and i knew okay you know i'm a serial entrepreneur so i've done this before so you know you got to get yourself together get yourself a website you know get your logo all those all those pieces and uh, the gentleman who was helping me put together my website, he's like, "Okay, Michael, what makes you different than any other speaker out there?" And I went, uh, uh, oh, "Well, it's me. I mean, I'm awesome. I mean, come on." And he goes, "I know that, but what makes you different?" And I said, "Well, you know, I mean, obviously, I'm different. I have funny color hair. My name is Michael. I'm really shocking. People get shocked by." Not only my name, but what they see, but then they're, you know, really surprised because I'm very serious about business. And I said, ultimately, it's about getting people to reach their potential, their full potential. And I specialize in leadership and sales and sales leadership. So this was where my mindset was. So he, I knew he wasn't really impressed with my answer. You know, he's like, really, that kind of sucks. But he took it. He came back a few days later and he goes, okay, um, we got a concept for you and we've already, uh, secured the domain name just in case you like it. And if you don't, don't worry about it. But, uh, uh, what do you think about this? Shock your potential. And I went, "Eh, I don't think so. (laughs) Really? I know. I was like, I don't know. I mean, that's not really what I'm trying to do. And, you know, and and I said, but let me think about it. And so I, Peter, I literally thought about it for three weeks. Three weeks. I mean, I overanalyze a lot of stuff. I totally overanalyze that. And then one day I woke up and I was going for a walk in the morning and I went, oh, duh, like that's it. <laughs> I shock your potential. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> and it was totally by accident and I almost let it slide.
2: <laughs> well, I, I'm glad you didn't. And uh, I, I remember the first time that we didn't really meet, but you were in a Webinar about going wide with eBooks with with Kate Colbert, the publisher of both. I don't know if she did your book. Yeah. Um, yeah, yep, she's done all my books. And I went, "Who's the cool lady with the?" <laughs> I, I thought purple, pink. I'm colorblind. Hair. And, mm-hmm. and then you, then, you're, then as you're you know participating in this webinar. I went, "Wow, she's got it together." There's something. There was the confidence in your voice. And, and the way you articulate, well, wow! I'm very that, that's impressive. And, and that's the first time I've let that out. So I haven't said that before, and I wanted to share that because I I, I vividly remember, and and I remember talking to Kate how cool you and and when she oh, said maybe we get her, girl. maybe we can get her to do uh, be on the editorial board. I went, oh please, just just please, please, oh please, 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 please. <laughs> uh, I, I I love the brand, and and I love your background in sales I mean you you didn't just head up some small organization of three salespeople no you you had a massively huge job in a a pharmaceutical medical supply area and I thought maybe that's how your hair turned that color (laughs) most people's hair turned gray you just happened to turn purple
1: Exactly. Or blue or green, or you never know what it's going to be because it changes about every six weeks. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> in fact, with what you're looking at right now, this is actually very, very mellow for me. I am about what, two weeks from getting it all done again. So this to me, I look in the mirror and go, gosh, I look kind of boring.
2: <laughs> well, I, I, I have to share the story that you shared with me before you went on about your color of hair. you said during the pandemic, yeah you couldn't go get it done and okay guys listen to this yeah her husband volunteered to help her color her hair especially in the back where she couldn't see and actually yep. cut her hair and, Absolutely. and that goes to husband of the century award
1: oh my god he's so good and i mean he's really he loves my hair in fact the whole joke is is and my uh, my hairstylist knows this every hairstylist in her salon knows this is that the question is, will I leave the hair salon and go home? Will he say, eh, it's too subtle? Because he likes it when it's bold and crazy. And so, you know, as the pandemic went on, and obviously couldn't go get my hair done, you know, and the roots are starting to grow, and I'm like, well, let's just add some blue, and let's add some more blue, and (laughs) let's go pick up some purple. I mean, I was was clearing CVS, CVS out of all these colors. But he he's like, you know, you're missing some spots. Let's help, you know, let's work on this. And uh, it really was fun because he was really committed to making sure that my hair, especially because you know how much video stuff I do. He didn't yeah. want me to feel during that time like I wasn't pulled together. And so, yeah, I mean, that's it's pretty cool. And he would do it in a heartbeat again today if I asked him
2: to. Well, we, well, we have it on on record now for, for sure. So you have to make sure that he listens to at least at this piece of this interview.
1: I <laughs> will. He's committed to. Oh, he'd he'd be happy to do it. I do have the husband of the century without a doubt. That's
2: cool. That's great. So, with with this leadership development, and you said sales leadership development, Mm -hmm. which my Scooby Doo went, oh, tell me more about sales leadership development.
1: Yeah, you know it's really important. You know, leadership at the core is something I'm really passionate about, which is what you know prompted me to to write my first book, which is called Tell Me More: How to Ask the Right Questions to Get the Most Out of Your Employees. And it's really and both my published uh, business books and the ones coming are all written like novels because I try and tell through stories. But my own leadership journey always coalesced with sales in some way, and so to me, it's really, really important that we understand that leaderships. Uh, strategies are different in a sales environment. You can use some of the same concepts, but you have to apply them differently, especially when you're trying to help salespeople who are hesitant, who are young, who, and I don't necessarily mean young by age, but young in the field um, that are nervous, maybe aren't confident closers. Uh, Leadership in that environment is really, really critical because you have to help people overcome their own fears, their own, their own obstacles and get to the point where they don't see sales as this big, bad word, but they see sales as, as a relationship and how you navigate the ups and downs of relationships and where you are. And when we, when I make those things happen with people, especially large companies, and they have those moments where they're like, oh, why didn't I say that? Or why didn't I ask those questions of my person? You know, my team, I could have gotten them past those struggles faster. That's when I'm like, yes, that's exactly it. It's about learning to ask the right questions, to really understand where people are coming from and realize that sales is no, not a one size ticket, all, um, perspective when it comes to leadership at all.
2: So how do you help them get past their fears? Is is it framing, the landscape differently? Is it showing them or demonstrating them what are better questions to ask than others? How does this how does this work?
1: Well, I'm gonna say yes, yes, and yes, and even more. So Let me, I've worked in sales, my actual first job at 16 years old, I got hired at a jewelry store as a gift wrapper and I got hired and I started in October. And by the time I got to Christmas time, I was selling diamonds and Rolex watches. And I had this amazing opportunity where it never dawned on me that sales was something to be frightened of. When somebody walked into the store, the jewelry store, I would say, well, hello, what brings you in? well, I'm looking for a diamond ring. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about it. What, do you, what kind is this for an engagement? Is this an anniversary? Do you know what kind of diamond? Do you know what color of gold you want? And all I would do is ask enough questions till they got to the point where they said, yes. And I'd say, well, here's some things that absolutely meet what you're looking for. Do you like any of these? And most of the time they'd say, yes, that's exactly what I want. I'd say, great, it costs X amount of dollars. Would you like it? Yes, I would. Do you want to pay by credit card, check or card? At that time, we took checks still, you know, back in neon ago. But really, sales is about figuring out just what questions you need to ask someone so that when they are ready to purchase, that it's seamless for them. But not getting hung up on the fact that if that person walks in today, that today the sale must be made. The goal is to find out from that person on the other end of the phone, who walked into your store, who's sitting across the table, what exactly do you want to buy? How much do you want to pay for it? And when do you want to complete the transaction? And if I know those pieces of information, I can make it incredibly smooth and easy for everybody. To me, sales is just another way of meeting somebody's expectations, but to get there, you have to get out of your own head.
2: So is is it the fact that when maybe some of the younger ones are going through sales training, this might not be part of the process of that training. It's, it's true talking about the product itself. And this is what the product will do for your, your, your customer, or, or this, what this medical device do for, or a patient. And we're coming in and we're not asking those questions about, well, what are your needs? I'm just telling you, what are the benefits to this?
1: Yes. And that happens a lot, and I'll tell you the number one place that that happens is in pharmaceutical sales. So I spent about seven years of my career, six or seven years of my career in pharmaceutical sales. And you are trained, you are trained how to, you know, data dump uh, features and benefits. You know, you are trained within an inch of your life of how to ask for the sale, how to get somebody to say yes. I will, I will promise you that I will have one patient that I will put on trial with that. I will try to compare one. Pr- Patient on this milligram to that milligram, whatever. But what was what's so problematic about that is that number one, that's not what anybody wants to have happen to them if they are being quote unquote sold. They want to have a conversation. So I would, in certain circumstances, when my boss would come to ride along with me. That's what they're looking for. That's what they were measuring you against. So I would do that. And my doctors and nurses would look at me like, what happened to you? Where'd you come from? Like, what were you? Did aliens invade your body? Because this is not how this happens. Because every other time I'd walk in their office and say, Dr. Peter, Dr. Margaritas, um, hey, now let's just be honest here. I know that you don't prescribe my drug at all. Can you tell me what you like about the competitor's drug? that makes you choose that first. I don't care what what you don't like about mine. I'm not going to try and convince you. Just tell me what you like about that one. And the more I get, because then they love to tell you what they do like, right? Well, I love it. I love the efficacy. I love how rapid it is. I love the cost of it for my patient. I love the side effect profile. And all that time I'm gathering information that I can say, all right, well, would you let me Give you some examples where maybe we could fill some of those and some, and I'll be honest, where we can't. And so, why I was successful in that is that I just had conversations that were really about what they were doing or not doing. I didn't try to force them to buy what I was selling. I just wanted to know. And in the end, if they didn't ever buy my drug, I didn't try and push it. But I'll tell you what, that was how I was also successful. As people are like, why do you keep coming in here bringing me lunch if you know I'm not going to prescribe your drug? And I'm like, well, because I have to because that's part of my sales profile. I have to come here once a month. I might as well bring you food you like. I'm thankful you've answered my questions. And pretty soon they're like, all right, fine. You wore me down. I'll try it. And I'm like, great. I didn't even ask you. But there's the relationship. And you said it in the beginning. Um, and I don't know if it was before we started taping or not, but you know, you're know, you like, I don't really like sales, but I like building relationships. To me, they're one and the same.
2: So I have to share the story with you. My best friend from college, his name was Tom. I'll leave his last name out, but Tom, I'm telling the story. Tom, uh,
1: <laughs> you better be careful. It's coming now.
2: Yeah, <laughs> he, he he just retired from pharmaceutical sales for a number of years. This guy was an art major in college. One of his last roles, he won the Chairman's Award three straight years in a row because he didn't mm-hmm. he didn't follow the prescribed way. Right. created and, and was and, and was listening to the doctor, similar to what you did, but he shared, he was like maybe, I don't know, a couple months before he was retired, he sitting out waiting to go to the doc's office, he says, you know what's up? I'm gonna try something different today. So he goes in and he starts telling the doctor all the side effects about this drug and all the, you know, <laughs> what it does. And, and, the, and then when he stopped, the doc says, well, why would I wanna prescribe that? Well, here. Now let me tell you the benefits, and those benefits outweigh the risk. And oh. the guy, yeah, started prescribing his drug, and he just yeah. did that conversation around? Because we don't really talk about the side effects, but it's, it's yeah. almost a little bit that that you know shock your potential. Right? I mean, why are you giving me all the side effects? Why? Are you, why are you telling me? You know? Yeah. No you know, oh. Uh, oh, now I get it. So I thought that was a very unique angle at, at uh, selling that he did that I don't think yeah. a lot of people do.
1: Well, and, and, the, and that's confidence. I mean, he had great confidence because he knew, look, I can tell you all the side effects because a lot of times people don't want to say the side effects because they feel like that's going to negate all the positive things that they just said. I do the same thing in similar circumstances where I might say to somebody, they'll say, okay, we would like to have you speak. You know, so what are your charges? You know, what are your fees? And I'll, I, I've been known to go, well, let me just tell you, you better sit down because th- this is going to blow you away. I mean, like you better get your checkbook ready. You better figure out how you're going to leverage every single thing that you have, because I'm telling you, you know, and I just have fun playing it up. And then when I tell them what my fees are, they're like, oh, thank God. I thought it was going to be so much worse. You're right. You know what? We just had fun with that. But in the reality, I'm still telling you what I charge, but I don't have any, I don't have any anxiety in that. I don't have to worry about what I'm saying. I'm having fun with it because we've already built the relationship to this point.
2: Okay. So I just tried something recently. I someone asked me um, uh, what was my speaking fee. I said thirty five thousand dollars. <laughs> Started laughing. I said, "Well, I said, is that out of your budget? I mean, you, you don't know until you ask. So I know right. that I can't go. So here, let me come down to this point, and then let me tell you. Okay, how about this number here? And yeah. she went, "Okay, that sounds good." And yeah, I exactly. Went, oh crap, that worked. Yeah. Caught their attention and gave me a little bit of a shock. Yes. But but there was in a humorous way. I said, you know what? If you never ask, you might have had the budget for it. But if I didn't exactly find out.
1: Yeah, and that's when you say, and you know what? Someday somebody's gonna go, cool, got it. All right, where should we write the check?
2: (laughs) And and then I've got to learn on poker face going, good. Not my job coming unhinged like a cartoon and hit (laughs) the floor. (laughs) I love it so much. But you, just, but you just said something that I, I, I think was 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 critical in this conversation. and it's the F word, you had fun. Yes. Oh, I think a lot, and I can look back at my past experience, I don't think it was. I never looked at it as fun. It mm-hmm. was more of a of a of a struggle or a pain. it was a jousting match. It was, but I never looked at it like, well, this is how we all communicate. Yes. Yeah. It's the more that we can find out what their needs are, not what our features and benefits, and then find that connection. Right. Exactly.
1: Because otherwise we're assuming. We're making assumptions. We're making assumptions about what that person wants or doesn't want. We make assumptions about what they can and can't afford. And, you know, I spent more than 10 years of my career in hearing aids. And I love to say that in hearing aids, we sold products that nobody wanted at a price tag. Nobody wanted to pay nobody wanted it because then they thought they were old and they didn't want to pay it because it was quote unquote too expensive and you know and i managed sales teams of up to 500 people and you know was responsible for about 100 million a year in revenue and to get people to realize you're deciding as the salesperson whether or not you think it's expensive you don't know what that person's budget is. You don't know what their tendency is to want to take care of their needs. You don't know what the pain point is of their hearing loss. So take the emotion out of it and ask them questions instead that just help you to understand. And then when you say the price, you won't be so fearful because what we'd get down to it is when you get down to the price, that per, the salesperson was always so, you know, nervous because if I say that this set of hearing aids is $7,500, which a lot of the top end were at that point in time, they were thinking, well, I wouldn't pay $7,500 for a pair of hearing aids, but like, you're not that person. Right. You, you don't even know if what they make or don't make. And that doesn't even matter. The question is, tell them what the price is. That's not the emotional charge. Now, if they say, if they come back and say, well, that's expensive, that's still not a yes or no. That's not a, oh, I can't afford that. That's a statement. You know, you've gotta let price sit. And then if somebody says that's a lot and I can't afford that, then you know, then you say, let me tell you what our other options are. And by the way, the reason I quoted this one is because when we talked about all of your needs, I know without a doubt that this, this set will meet all those needs, but there are others that will be good for you as well. Let's talk about them. Or you can say, no problem. Do you have a budget that you already came in mind with? You know, you can go straight to the heart of it too, but people are so afraid to talk about money as if it's a taboo issue, rather than seeing that it's just part of the transaction. And it's actually the final part of the transaction, the emotional part and the decision-making has already been done. The final the final part of the equation is what am I willing to pay for whatever this good product or service or idea is? And then let's make sure that it happens at that point at the right time.
2: Very well said. And as a couple of things popped to my mind. So if you had to sell hearing aids to Jed Clampett. <laughs> yes. We, well, we, all, we all make those assumptions. You yeah. Jay, for those of you who don't know who Jay Clampett is. I know. Some Hillbilly's, people don't.
1: Oh my God! And, yeah, but but he struck on oil, so he should have been able to pay for it.
2: <laughs> that's right. But we, we, we tend to judge the book by the cover. It, it, yes. It make a tremendous amount of sense. But the one assumption that we make is I would never pay for that. So why would someone else?
1: Exactly. Yeah. We put our we put our assumptions onto other people, and that's just not fair. You know, it's just like, and this is probably something that I suffer from. But I I have an example of this in my second book, which is um, Sales Mixology. Why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success like i'm doing the plugs for my books and nice, in it nice I talk. Of, thank you and in it uh, i have this example of you know a restaurant where the you know quote unquote guest is you know testing a new server and says you know is asking all kinds of questions and then says well what do you recommend you know based on the specials or whatever and my example is is that when the server says, oh, well, I'll, I think you should have the meatloaf because the meatloaf is fantastic. Well, if you haven't asked me, well, we have a number of great specials. Are you, let me just clarify first. Do you like meat, fish? Are you vegetarian or vegan or whatever? Because one, you need to clarify, because what if you say the meatloaf is great and I go, well, I don't eat meat. Oh, well, then you should have the pasta fajuel. Oh, I can't eat shellfish, you know, (laughs) then, then all you're doing is disappointing that person. Whereas if I could say first, well, you know what? I don't care for beef, chicken or fish are fine. I'm allergic to shellfish. Then I can say, well, great. There's some options here. So it's the questions that you ask at the time that you ask them at the right spots that allow people who want to make a buying decision to help give you enough information to give them exactly what they want to purchase
2: why do why are people so afraid to ask questions in sales environments
1: it's a it's a that's a great question i have no idea because i'm to me it's just so natural to ask questions i do think that sales training is a lot to blame because we do train people to go through sales scenarios because somebody has made something work. And I, and I'm not saying that I haven't done this too, because there are some really good sales uh, trainings that I have helped roll out for my teams over the years. But I've always said too, this is a script, but it's not to follow verbatim. I mean, just look like off, off script, you know, improvising, Look, the script is a guide. The script is not a, it's not a map that you go from here to here to here. It's a guide to give you that visual standpoint of what you're trying to achieve. And some of the phrases in that, maybe you want to use some of those questions and the way you ask them. And when you ask them, you may want to use, but the whole goal is to elicit enough responses to get people to purchase verbally themselves. And that's the whole goal. But I think the reason people are hesitant is that especially if they are being measured by um, how well they follow the script, how well they follow the sales process. That's terrifying to go against that, even though they know they don't like it. They know they don't want to follow that, but they're afraid to not do it, which makes them more
2: uncomfortable in the process. Oh, by the way, thanks for the uh, call out plug for my book. Appreciate that. <laughs> See, I plugged both my books and I plugged your book as well. <laughs> even, even better. That is, would be a valid point because we tend to follow the script. And, mm-hmm. and, and if I bring it to the improvised world, we tend to follow script and quit listening.
1: Yes. Yes. And one of the things let, let's talk another example from your book when I was on the editorial committee that I loved this example where you're in this improv class and you're supposed to be fishing. And, or, you know, and and you're up there with somebody else and there he's, and you're like, it's a beautiful day for fishing or something. And he says something else. And you're like, no, we're catching trout. And he's like, no, I'm fishing for, you know, bullhead sharks. I don't know what it was, but (laughs) your whole point after that story was the, the improv teacher said you didn't listen to him. He told you that he changed the script and you wanted to go to your script and i loved that you shared that because i think that's exactly what happens in these situations is people are people like oh my god you're going off my script i've got to get us back on script instead of whatever somebody tells you that's that's going to help you. you you can't go down too many rabbit holes right. you got to keep things somewhere you know between the the you know the the fenders mm-hmm. but it still is that element of this is a process if somebody is in front of you or on the phone or whatever and they, they are there indicating that they want to buy your goods, products, service, or idea, then your responsibility is to help them get to that point. That's the way I see it. Is I, and I might not be the one who can sell it to them. In which case I need to be big enough to say, you know what, given everything I've learned, I know exactly what you're looking for. I wish we had it for you. We don't, but I know who does. That makes you so much more confident as a person when you say, It's not about completing the sale, it's about making the sale happen for that person at the right time, the right place, the right way. That's when people stop worrying about those little steps in the script along the way.
2: Well, you just gave an example of a salesperson literally parking their ego, Mm -hmm. taking taking that commission thought out of their head or however they're compensated and pointing them in a different direction. That Mm -hmm. is difficult for a lot of people to do. It'd be the my way or I'm not giving it to my competition or whatever.
1: Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you a really funny example back from the hearing aid industry. I was uh, visiting one of my teams in a state that begins with the letter O, but I won't tell you what else other letters are in there that narrows it down. And uh, and so I'm in there and I've got like 30 people in this room and they're all telling me, you know, about how Miracle Ear Down the street is trying to screw them and Beltone's doing this. And Costco's doing this. And I, you know, my patients, they deserve better than this. So I, I just let them go because they were kind of on a roll. They were having their shorts and their lunch handed to them. Basically, you know, we were being outsold by everybody else. And I just let them go because they're all blah, blah, blah. And I go, um, I have a question. So why do you think it's important that people don't go to Costco or go to Beltone or go to Miracle-Ear? And they're like, oh, we're so much better. We take care, better care of our patients. We care more about them, blah, 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 blah. And I let them go again. And I said, hmm, so what you're saying, let's just use uh, Miracle-Ear for an example. So those people at Miracle-Ear, they're, um, they don't treat our patients as good as we can? Absolutely not. And I said, hmm, and I stopped and I go, how many people in here used to work for Miracle Ear but now work for us? And I have a room of about 30 people, at least six of them used to work for Miracle Ear. I go, how do you guys feel when you hear that? They're like, you know, their heads go down. Now, granted, these people were also complaining about Costco and Beltone, you know, five minutes before. I go, how many people uh, work for Beltone? You know, we go through the whole thing and I go, you guys, guess what? All of us care about our patients. I don't care where it is. If you think that the people at Costco don't care about their hearing aid patients, you're fooling yourself. And I said, frankly, that's obnoxious. So instead of thinking, trying to convince people that we're better than them, how about we actually just care about our patients? (laughs) And I'll tell you, they were all very shocked, but things turned around really quickly in that district. Because they stopped being so ego driven about why it was important that people buy, buy then and buy from them and realize it's not about that. It's about if we can give the person what they need, they feel comfortable, they like us. And by the way, if somebody says, Hey, I'm shopping around. And by the way, I'm going to go to Costco, then say fantastic. I think it's really important that you find the place where you feel more com- most comfortable. Find the product that you like the best. And if it's with Costco, fantastic. If it's with us, fantastic. I just want you to get your hearing treated. You make a statement like that, people will come back to you more often than you can count because you're not trying to sell them. You just want them taken care of.
2: Oh, but you've just planted one hell of a seed in their head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Heck yeah. So, you said something earlier, sort of, toward, I think, towards the beginning of the interview. Do you have a third book coming out?
1: Well, I have a couple. Yeah. Um, so, my third book will be Shock Your Potential. Okay. Um, but and I haven't finished it all. And mostly because I kind of stopped writing it as a novel and I was turning it more into the, an actual book in the format that I've done the the talk, because I've done the shock, your potential talks so many times in the last couple of years, but I have, I, I have two others in motion, but I also have my first actual novel that, uh, I'm working on. So I cannot wait to finish that. That's gotta be the next one that I finished that has to come out before shock your potential.
2: Okay, so you've got, it sounds like 30 books in the. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Pretty much. Uh, And and you also do a podcast. Yep. Five days a week. Five days a week. (laughs) And and how long are those interviews? Uh, 25 minutes. 25 minutes. Okay, so five days a week, 25 minutes. And and you're running a business. Yeah, two businesses. (laughs) Oh, that's right. I forgot about your other business. <laughs> and and you're married, and, and do you sleep? Um,
1: yes, actually, yeah. And I don't start work before nine o'clock in the morning. So I'm getting it pulled together finally. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and and if, if, I, if I remember early conversation, uh, one of the reasons why you're able to pull it together and not really start work by nine o'clock is because you have a whole team behind you. I the do, second, I do. Second business venture.
1: Yeah, I do. I'm really lucky that way. Um, And I I don't know why I say lucky because I've I've worked really hard to make this happen. But almost two years ago, um, I hired my first two people. Um, They're in Kenya. In fact, my entire team is in Kenya. And our second business is all based in Kenya for the people. So I'll explain that. But, you know, I really, I needed some people that would help me with, you know, admin stuff and podcast stuff and marketing and all that. And uh, I, because I'd worked with a client who had a team in Kenya, I got to know several people there. So that's kind of how that came about. And uh, about this time last year, I had so many people asking me, you know, how did you get all these people? How, how do I find somebody in Kenya? And by that time I had actually doubled down. So when the pandemic shut down all my speaking, I doubled down on my business and decided to do all those things that I wanted to do before that I didn't have enough time to, you know, revamp the podcast, uh, create some more programs, work more on my books. And so I added to my team. And so with, uh, I interviewed probably about a hundred people for the you know eight or so people that i had working for me by then and uh, so we started a second business called kukwa biz which means growth in swahili and uh, we match uh, virtual assistants and people to do marketing and you know website management podcast management you name it from kenya with small businesses actually around the globe so we have some clients in mexico we have one in australia uh, we have one um, soon in in uh, South Africa, strangely enough. But yeah, that's, it's been really, it's been fantastic. So yeah, I have a really great team and they now manage the day-to-day details for me so I can work at a different elevation with both of my companies.
2: When we're done, there's a person I'm gonna refer to you that is in desperate need. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's not me, but I'm also one of those people that I wanna to talk to you about. <laughs> You're day. like, I have a friend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a friend and I have myself uh, and, and, and how can they, I mean, how can the audience want to find out more about this business of yours if they need that, uh, that outsourcing help?
1: Oh yeah. And by the way, we have a lot of people doing accounting uh, work as well. I have a number of our, we call them talents on Kuku who are CPAs in Kenya. So uh, they can just uh, look at kukuabiz.com, which is K U. K-U-A-B-I-Z.com, kukwabiz.com. Or you can just look up shockyourpotential.com. And we have a link, I think on our team page or like our meet our team page that uh, that links back to biz as well. Or just uh, email me at michael at shockyourpotential.com and say, hey, I don't know that, I can't remember the name of that company, but I sure would like to know about a VA out of Kenya and I'll figure it out. Just make sure to, to reference this podcast so I can uh, give Peter credit for it.
2: Well, thank you very much. Before we wrap up, and we'll give you your information on again on how they can contact you for your speaking. And if there's one thing that you would say to the, this audience that they could immediately apply mm-hmm. in the world and we'll keep it in, in the sales world, what mm-hmm. would that one thing be?
1: So I'm going to give you very briefly the the concept of shock your potential. So I take the letters in the word shock. And I have them stand for things. So the H or the S is for stand out. And I'll give you the rest in a minute, but I'm I'm just going to focus on stand out. Because when we have a sales value proposition, it's what we can do that makes us different. Let me give you an example. The intro to your podcast, your voiceover um, talent uh, after the commercial does a little blurb about you and your speaking and what you can bring to audiences. That value proposition that comes through in your intro, Peter, is fantastic. I was taking notes. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to steal some of those concepts when we go into our 2022 podcast, because I'm like, I need to redo mine anyway. And I like this. But that value proposition, you know, she talks, your script is about you want to be memorable. You want to make sure you're, you're really having an impact on your audience. You want to be able to make sure that they walk out of there learning something different that they can apply right away. Those value propositions that we have, the ways we stand out, we should be very proud of. And when we stand out, that allows the dialogue of sales to happen much more clearly so that when someone says, hmm, I'm interested in hiring you as a speaker, I'm interested in hiring you as an accounting firm for my organization. I'm interested in you for whatever. Then you can say, wonderful, I'm so glad, thank you so much. Please tell me what made you feel that I would be a good match. Now, when you ask that, what you're saying is, how did I stand out to you? Mm -hmm. Because once you know that, then you know a little bit more about what's important to them. Then you can start to say things like, great, where would you like to start? Would you like to start with me talking about how we will meet your needs. Would you like to know what my fee structure is? Would you like to know? And you ask them the questions that help them guide the dialogue. Pretty soon, all it is is a matter of going through it step-by-step until you reach the end. But I'll give you the other letters just real quick. So the S is for stand out, the H is for hone your skills or hire your deficiencies which is why I now have a giant team is there's a lot of things I can do that I don't like to do. I don't want to do. And it doesn't fulfill my business objective. And the O is operate as if you're already there. And that doesn't mean act, uh, uh, fake it till you make it. It means look to people who are already where you want to be, see what kind of things are helping them achieve and maintain that success and see what things are important for you to look at next for your business. Uh, C is cultivate the people and opportunities that are going to get you there. So for instance, I did not intend for my audience, for my podcast, or I mean, my guests for my podcast to also be great potential business, um, opportunities for Kukua biz. I did not intend that. But it has happened, so why not go with it? So I have a nice dialogue with my guests about what we do. And if it's a good match, it's already there. We've had a great relationship that starts. So it's cultivating those people and opportunities that support what you're trying to achieve. But the K is most important to me, tying back to the the way you stand out. And that's, that's you need to know your value and know your worth. And if you know your value, you know your worth, you stand out differently. You stand out from the crowd. You don't have to say that Costco people don't treat their patients well because it's a bunch of baloney. You say, we love our patients so much. I don't care where they go. I just want them to get help. That's knowing your worth and knowing your value. That makes you stand out. That makes you the person somebody says, okay, I need to write the check. What's the number we're going to put in there? And you say 35,000 and we're all good.
2: Perfect, <laughs> perfect. Boom, shakalaka. Boom, shak- <laughs> and thank you for listening to my intro. You're the first person to actually make any comments about that. I appreciate.
1: Oh, I love it. It's really good. It's really good. It may, I'm not kidding you. I have notes written down about
2: it. So <laughs> steal away, please. Steal exactly. away. Exactly. Take whatever, and and I can't thank you enough. I, I mean, I looked up and I went, "Oh my God, time is just flying right by." <laughs> um, thank you for your time. Thank you for your wisdom, your knowledge. Absolutely, thank you. I'm gonna go back and listen to this uh, episode again. I've been doing that a lot lately. I've got, and it's just, I don't know. It's it's inspiring. It, it just, it oh. just because I know you're helping my audience, and, and that's why I do this podcast. It, it's not about hearing my voice. It's about helping my audience change that mindset and get out from older ways and figure out newer ways to deal with this massive changing business landscape that we live in that yes, all the time. I will keep you attuned to any launch parties. That I will need some assistance virtually or, or in person <laughs> from my editorial uh, board. And um, I, I just can't thank you enough. Thank you so very much, Michael.
1: My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Peter.
2: I want to thank Michael for her time in discussing the concept of sales leadership, along with how to SHOCK, and that's S, period, H, period, O, period, C, period, K, period, your potential. Remember the acronym. I will conclude with an improv quote that's fitting for this interview. The hokey pokey. Think about it. At the end of the song, what do we learn? What is it all about? It's about putting your whole self in. Be safe out there.
0: Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This
1: podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business
2: podcasts, visit c sweetradio.com.